part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. I want to point out something that Sherry said that uh, just struck with me so much. Uh, Every bit of that, Sherry, was just right on target. But you, you speak something that's near and dear to my heart when you say that sometimes we get in this little trap of just wanting to sin less. And that spiritual maturity is that we're sinning less. Certainly one of the things that as we grow more and more in Christ, there should be less sin in our lives. And yet part of what you hear me talk about oftentimes is this moralistic approach to a Christian life. We are to be very moral people. Please don't ever forget that, that God has called us into something. But folks, sometimes we focus so much on what God has called us away from that we don't focus on what he's called us to. And so this morning as we talk about humility, instantly our mind, especially if you're kind of a humble person, if other people consider you kind of a humble person, you're going, well, it's today he's not talking about fill in the blank because that's my problem. But humility, I think I've got that one. Well, just that thought by itself should do a little hard check. You know, because sometimes we just don't think that we're proud, that we have this... uh, 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 you know, ability to, because we're not braggadocious, that that just doesn't apply to us. But please think of it in this way this morning, and this is what I hope uh, really comes out. This isn't just a calling away from being braggadocious, prideful, and all those other things. It is a call to the mind of Christ. So with that in mind, open to Philippians chapter 2, where you'll actually see that phrase, and in many translations, have this attitude, have this mind, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, it's a calling away from something that is in error, something that is sinful, but it's a calling to something that is very much the attitude, the mindset of Christ. When we really begin to understand that, that Christianity is just not a call away from something, but it is a call to something, not just a call away from sinfulness, but a call to holiness, then all of a sudden it really does begin to make sense with joy. We can follow Christ and we understand that it's not just being careful and trying to live in this sinless bubble, but it's all about this personal relationship and reflecting that relationship in our life. Last few weeks we've been looking at John 3.30, seven words that we said that truly can be life-changing. Seven words that can begin to shape a mindset, an attitude, a purpose by which we would approach each day. John chapter 3, verse 30 John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And for the next six weeks, we're going to be looking at what does that really look like? You know, it's it's almost like that verse is going to be the outline. And over the next six weeks, we're going to color in. What does that look like? If I truly were to decrease and Christ was the increase in my life, what would that look like? What would that look like in my marriage? What would that look like in my relationship with my friends? What would it look like with other students at school? If I truly, truly took that, not just as a goal for 2018, but I really want to ascribe that this is my heart's plea. God, will you increase more and more and more? Will you help me to decrease? And yet, folks, we are not bent toward decreasing. We are bent in our human flesh to increase. And this morning we're going to address that. And so this morning we're going to start here uh, with humility. And you might ask, why did we start there? There's a lot of different things that we could start with that we'll look at in the next several weeks. Why do we start there? Because at the root of that 
is the original sin. Now, you might be thinking Adam and Eve, and certainly that is the original sin of, of mankind. But before that, we see a rebellion in Satan's heart, and it was one of pride. talks about it in several places in the Bible, but the one that's probably the, the most exact uh, of, of really spelling this out for us is it found in Isaiah chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet writes. Now he's writing about Satan, and he's writing about this original pride or this rebellion that Satan had. You may know, maybe you don't know, that before Satan's rebellion, he is an angel. And he really was, the Bible says, the most beautiful of all the angels. And he really kind of had rank, as best as we can understand, from the few verses are there, that he really was kind of almost a ranking angel. So, so here he is, created by God to serve God, just like all the angels are, to, to give honor and glory and worship. And yet a thought came into Satan's mind to rebel against that. What, just to go do his own thing? No, to make himself equal or higher than God. L- listen to the way that Isaiah said it. Isaiah 14, verse 13. You said in your heart, and he's talking about Satan here, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. It's the first rebellion. We read in other places. What came of that? Well, God corrected that. He kicks Satan out of heaven. And all of a sudden now we have this spiritual war that's going on. We truly have the goodness and and the perfection of God. But now we do have imperfection. Now we do have an enemy of God. And we begin to see that come into human play with Adam and Eve. The original sin. If you want to go all the way back, even before Adam and Eve, pride. What was in Satan's heart? I want to make myself like the Most High. Now, most of us would say, well, you know, Pastor, when you put it that way, (laughs) that's not really my problem. I realize that God is God and I'm not. And yet, in actuality, there's a lot of times in our days, guys, that practically speaking, maybe not theoretically speaking, that we say, you know, I think I'm a God, but that we would practically act like we're our own God and we've made our own throne, and we were going to have it our way, no matter if the, the Spirit says this, or the Word says that, or a, a, a kind Christian friend says, you know, here's kind of what I'm feeling in my heart. I, I just love you. I want to encourage you here. But, but this is something that maybe you've got to stop, or maybe this is something you need to go do, just to, so that God can bless here. And all of a sudden, that prideful, rebellious spirit can come up, just like it did in Satan, just like it did in Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden, we find out, you know, I may not be that braggadocious type of prideful person, but I sure can be that independent, I want it my way kind of person. Does that make sense? Because a lot of us aren't the kind that said, I'm kind of good looking, aren't I? You know, most of us aren't saying, you know, man, you know, I, I'm the smartest guy here. I'm the, you know, the fastest guy here. I'm the richest guy here. You know, most of us are not thrown away around these accolades uh, around uh, to others about ourselves. And so that's what we think of sometimes with pride. And yet pride, in the true sense, is not just this braggadocious attitude, but it's an independent spirit. 
Independent of who? Of our Creator, of God. And we see it in Isaiah. We see it throughout the Bible. We see it in Genesis 3 with Adam and Eve. And this morning, as we go into God's Word, we begin to see that this is one of the fundamental teachings of what it would mean to decrease in our life. That we would really take on the attitude of Christ in humility, uh, not just uh, abstaining away from being braggadocious people. Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. See, all of us have this bent. We were pre-wired with our sin nature. I know I cover this almost every week, but guys, it's worth repeating. We have to come back to the basics all the times. And, and we were pre-wired with a bent toward sin. We have a sin nature. Anybody ever look at a car battery? You have two terminals. What are those two terminals? Negative and positive. Now, the... the, the for all the mechanics in there say, well, Bobby, actually, this theoretically, what you said was not true. Okay, I realize that, okay? But, but, guys, a lot of times we think that we come into this world with this positive wiring. But really, biblically speaking, we come into the world with a negative wiring. And I realize that that's not the best illustration because the positive and the negative work together so that a car can function. I'm just using that because it's very obvious to you. That word negative, that word positive, we see that before us. And for the most part, we think that we kind of have a lot of positive wiring in our life. The Bible says no. The Bible says you were born with negative wiring. We were born with a sin nature. And with that sin nature, especially when it comes to things like selfishness and pride, we may not think of ourselves as being those braggadocious people. But like this says, we might be only a three or four, like on a scale of one to ten, because I'm not going to say zero to ten, Because none of you are zeros when it comes to selfishness and pride. The Bible would tell us that. None of us are zeros. So on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you when it comes to selfishness and pride? What would you rank? Uh, Better yet, what would your spouse, if you're married, rank? What would your friends rank you? Would they give you a 2, a 3, a 4? See, the reason why we can kind of say, well, you know, I'm not really that kind of a prideful, selfish person... It's because maybe we are really a one or a two. I mean, we're really low on that scale. And there's enough eight and nines out there that we just don't look all that selfish and all that prideful. And yet, folks, this is, I'm not trying to, to put a heavy on you. We have to realize the truth of God's word until we can see the invitation of God's word. And the truth of God's word says you've got to bend. You're wired up to the negative turn. You're wired up. Even if you're just a one or a two or a three, on a scale of selfishness and pride, you have that bent and that measure in your life. None of us, none of us are zeros. But there was one that was a zero. His name was Christ. And that's where Paul's going to make us our focus. And sure, that's what I loved about your word this morning. It wasn't just, okay, we need to abstain from this, we need to not do this, but we put our focus back on Christ. We long for Him. We invite the Holy Spirit to come as we sing. God, will you show us more, not just things to stay away from, but will you show us yourself? And that's what Paul does here. He uses that writing style, not just to say, don't do this, don't do this. He could have easily said, don't be selfish. Don't be braggadocious. Don't be prideful. And he could have really alliterated on those things 
and gone down and made list after list after list. But what does he do? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. He starts off by giving us some instruction, but it's all going to point in verse 5 to the model of Christ. Let's start with verse 3. He does start off with saying, Do nothing, do nothing wrong, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Okay? And that very place where he begins, is he talking about just this braggadocious person? Is that the kind of pride and humility that he's talking about? No, he's talking about your general concern for other people. He said, you have a bent toward thinking about yourself. How many of you have a bent toward thinking about yourself? All of us. Okay? Every one of us. We wake up, and by default, your first thought in the morning, by default, is one of selfishness and pride. It's kind of centered right here. You can, as the most, you know, the first active thought in your mind that you generate from your mind and your heart in the morning, say, God, will you take my heart even right now and will you focus it toward you? Will you help me to kind of die to self as we talked about last week so that I can live for you? That can be your very first thought in the morning. But I promise you, by default, we, even though we have, uh, the salva- if you're a Christian, you have salvation in Christ, still, we have this old man, this old self that we have to contend with. How many of y'all believe that? I just said, but how many of you believe that? Okay. If you believe that and you've experienced it in your life, then this passage very much is going to talk to you. Paul writes first about, okay, don't be this guy. What guy? Selfishness, conceited. But he says, be this guy. What? Humble. And then he begins to explain what this kind of humility looks like. He explains, by definition here, humility in this context, as he says, is to count others more significant than yourselves. C.S. Lewis, a great Christian writer, said it this way, very succinctly. He said, humility is not just thinking less of yourself. That's often what we think. We just think lower of ourselves. He said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Big difference. God has never called us. I've had a lot of conversations with people that have equated humility with humiliation. And I personally do not believe. I, I'm, I would love to have that talk with you, that discussion with you. I don't believe that God has called us into humiliation. I do think that he's called us very much into humility. And there is a difference there. Uh, Bobby, why would you say that? Why would you bring that out? Because I don't believe that God has called us to be a doormat where people just kind of stomp all over us. At the same time, there are times that God's going to call us to be a doormat, not in the sense of people walking over us, but to, to shield somebody else from the mud that would be underneath. And so he says, okay, you put, kind of like the old guy that would put the coat down for the girl. Okay, you do that. There's going to be times that God may ask you to do that. Maybe not in a real way where there's a real mud puddle and you put down your coat. But he just said, okay, look, you sacrifice your life in such a way that you truly are a provision of Christ for somebody. Let's look what he says here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Look each of you not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. And then we see the real source of that kind of attitude. Are you born with that and we just need to perfect it? Is it something that we have to do through positive thinking? No. Verse 5, look what he says. 
have this mind among yourself, the one he just described, to think of others more than yourself. Have that kind of attitude, have this kind of thinking, have this mind in yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, in that last part, this is so important. He's saying two things. Number one, Christ is this model. This is the attitude, the kind of thinking that you want to have. But there's also something else that he says that the ESV version, that's what this version is, brings out really well. Maybe your version doesn't say it quite the same way, but it says, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This is a provision to be able to think this way through the very Spirit of God and through the provision and the finished work of Christ. This is not... Self-improvement 101. This is decreasing 101. Hey, I want to be more like Christ. And he says this, and please get this, and if you need to write this down, he says not only is he the source of this, but he is the subject of this, but he's the source of it. He's not just the subject of this humility, he is the source of this humility. So important, guys, for us to see that he's not just... The subject of it, oh, just think like Christ, to realize that if we are to think like Christ, that he is the source of that. Can a non-Christian really think like Christ in the way that Paul is describing here? I would respectfully say no. I could be less braggadocious, I could be less prideful, I could go out there and serve others, I could do a lot of things. But to really take on that attitude to the level that I think Paul's instruction and the call that we see here is one of those that is enabled by the very Spirit of God. All the other one is doing is contending with the old man to a sense that we kind of have less of the old man and, and more of just a generous act. But if you truly want to be more Christ-like, you kind of have to have christ in your life. Does that make sense? Moralism and Christianity, folks, are, are so close. They, they can look so much the same. But one is obedience to a law. The other one is bowing to a Savior. And when we bow to the Savior, we're going to want to be obedient to law. But then it will be because it's a joyful thing and not just an act of obedience. So important. So important for us to understand that. So here we see that in verse 5, when he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that this is, Christ is not just the subject of this attitude, he is the source of this attitude. So with all this serving as a foundation, then he begins to define what Christ-like humility looks like. Not man-like, not moralistic-like, but Christ-like humility. Three things. If, you t- if you're one that takes notes, be ready to write down three things, okay? This will be your challenge for the week. What does Christ-like humility look like? Well, we see it in verse 6 and 7. Number one, it is not grasping to be filled. Can you see that? I should have used a different color than red. Can you see that in the back? Still okay. Christ-like humility is not grasping to be filled but willing to be emptied. Where do we get that? Look at the verse. He just said, have this mind, this attitude of Christ, and now he says, who, talking of Christ, 
though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Paul begins to use this example of humility, and he said, okay, Jesus was God. Fully man, but fully God. He said, but he emptied himself. Nobody emptied Christ. Nobody made Christ conform to being the Savior. Not even the Father did that. It was the willingness of Christ's heart. And he did it by emptying himself. Now, we have to be very careful here. There will be a few theologians that would say, okay, I think this means that he made himself devoid of his deity. That's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about that Christ was the king. When he was on earth, was he the king of kings and the Lord of lords when, he, when Christ walked this earth? Did he act in, in a way that flaunted that around to everybody? Hey, I am the king of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. No, oh, sometimes when he was kind of put on the spot, even to kind of defend, hey, are you even a person that we should recognize? He remained silent. Pilate, who Pilate thought, okay, aren't you, don't you know I could save your life right here? And he remains silent. He doesn't go around going, do you know who I am? Now, there's plenty of times he said, I am this. But it wasn't in this braggadocious way. He wasn't going around going, hey, if you knew who I was, you would not be acting. He goes around and he's emptying himself of what? Not of his divine nature. Not of the will of God. And not even theologically of the glory of God, but certainly of, if we want to say, the focus of that glory on him. Christ didn't go around saying, hey, I need everybody in here to bow down to me. Now, he would make no doubt about it that he deserved to be bowed down to. But he would not cringe at the fact that there were people that were not bowing down to him. He did, he emptied himself. And he grasped not to be filled but what he did, he, he was willing to be emptied. Have you ever heard the phrase, hey, that guy is so full of himself? Have you ever known somebody, he or her, man, she is just so full of herself. Think about that phrase, full of yourself, full of himself. That's the person that we would think is kind of braggadocious. Man, they just think that they are it. This is the exact opposite of that mindset. Instead of being full of yourself, is an attitude that I want to empty myself. But it doesn't stop there. That's the first one. The second, what is humility? What does Christ-like humility look like? It is not grasping to be served, but willing to serve. Look at verse 7 again. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. He took on this form of a servant. Now, is he still king of kings and lord of lords? And when he comes to earth, he is still king of kings and lord of lords. Even when he's in that little manger. But he willingly took on a servant's attitude and a servant's mindset. He was here to serve. He said, I've come to seek and to serve those who are lost. His mindset is one of servant, even though he's the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Christ-like humility. Number three. Christ-like humility is not grasping to be obeyed, but willing to be obedient. Look at the last part of, of that in verse 8. 
and Christ being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So if we use these three verses to describe Christ-like humility like Paul did, here's what he says. This is what Christ-like humility looks like in your life, in my life, if, if we are to be Christ-like in our humility. Number one, not grasping to be filled, but willing to be emptied. Not grasping to be served, but willing to serve. Not grasping to be obeyed, but willing to be obedient. A little di- different from just braggadocious person who thinks much of himself. But Paul was not a theorist, guys. He didn't say, okay, here's the theory. He, he paints in and he colors it with the example of Christ. Look at, uh, in Luke chapter 22, uh, we get this beautiful picture of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we see him going, this is before he goes to the cross. And we see this attitude of Christ displayed. Now, what were the three things that we just said? Christ-like humility is what? In case somebody wrote it down, what was the first one? First one was grasping. We're not grasping to be filled, but we're willing to be emptied. What was the second one? Not grasping to be served, but willing to serve. And the third one? Not grasping to be obeyed, but to be obedient. Look what Christ does in the garden before he goes to the cross for me and you, okay? And he, that is Christ, withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, do you see a measure there of not wanting to be filled, but willing to be emptied? Do you see there an element of not willing, uh, grasping to be served, but willing to serve? Do you see there a willingness not to be obeyed, but to be obedient? When we begin to look at this mindset, Paul's not saying, hey, here's a self-improvement class so that you can be less braggadocious. What he says is, look, here's how Christ thinks and acts. And if you want to be Christ-like, if you truly want to be less of you and more of Christ, here's what it looks like. Here's the actions and the mindset, the attitude that it begins to look like. In fact, it's very interesting when you look at those verses. In Philippians chapter 2, you see a downward movement. Now, most of us, if you had to kind of characterize human nature by itself, do you think we aspire upward movement or downward movement of ourselves? Do we aspire to, to go up in life or do you think that it is by our nature to go down in life? Yeah. There's an upward desire. When, I mean, if you're working at ABC Company, you say, man, I hope I can get that lowest job on the totem pole, I, I, and I hope I can carry that on to my retirement. Or do you say, you know, hey, even if I have to get my foot in the door here, my hope is that one day, what? I move up. Become this, and then I become a, a guy over that, and then I can maybe become a, a manager in years to come. If I, if I work hard, and, and maybe one day I can even become maybe a vice president or something of a company. Folks, in your bank account, you just like, man, I, I really want to see if I can get by with one penny. Or do you say, no, I would aspire to work hard, to, to, to do well, and I would love 
for, for one day for me not to really have to worry. And if, if God told me to, to give a, a check for $1,000 to a ministry or something like that, that you would love to be able to do that. Most of us aspire to move up. But look what happens to Christ here. Look at this motto of humility, guys. Paul is not a theorist. He's looking at the life of Christ. And Christ actually did this. It wasn't just theory. It wasn't a New Year's resolution. Verse 6. Where, look in your Bible. It's not up here right now. In verse 6, where is, what is it talking about Christ is where? Verse 6 is talking about Christ in the pre-incarnate state. That is, he's still in heaven. The glory, he left the glory of heaven. So he starts this conversation and Christ is in heaven. Okay, the pre-incarnate Christ, what we would call. When we get to verse 7, he says, okay, he comes to earth. This is the incarnation of Christ. He takes on flesh. So we just went from where? From heaven to earth. And now I have to go up or down. Okay, we go down. Now verse 8. What do we see? He's in the grave. Okay, he goes from heaven to earth to the grave. See the movement of what Paul's writing, inspired by the Holy Spirit? So, I mean, you want to know what humility looks like? It, 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 this is who Christ was, and he was willing to do this, and he ended up here. But then he rose again so that you would have the ability to take on that mindset. As this is counter how we're wired up. You and I are wired up to go this way, not to go this way. But the call of Christ, not just to, to be less braggadocious, but if we're truly going to say, okay, more of you, less of me, what does it look like in this area of humility? It truly begins to look and have an attitude that doesn't just desire to be filled, but is willing to be emptied. Not just one to, to be served, but to serve. And not just to, 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 to be obeyed, but willing to be obedient. To think like Christ, where he is both the subject of this humility, but also the source of this humility. says, okay, we have to have this relationship. And that's what it means in one aspect, to have more of him, less of me. This week, this week, and we'll close. What would your life, how would it be different? And you can use your marriage, you can use your... uh, uh, relationship at work, you can use your relationship among friends, you can may, use your relationship with anybody, okay? What would it look like this week if your heartfelt prayer was, God, I, I, I do not want to be grasping to be filled, but will you empty me? Will you give me a willingness to be emptied? But for those that are married, what would that look like in your marriage? What would it look like when you were not grasping to be served, but, but you were willing to serve? What would it look like if you said, okay, I'm not just wanting to be obeyed, but I'm willing to be obedient? Guys, all of that's a lot different from, okay, I'm just not going to brag as much. I'm not going to... Now, this mindset goes against this natural inclination that wants to go up and it 
purposely for the call of Christ and the, the call of Christ upon our lives. said, I'm willing. That doesn't mean that God's always going to put you down on the ground. It doesn't mean that he's always going to make you, you know, have this uh, place where you're always the one that's so obedient and nobody else is obedient. I don't know what God's going to bring you to. I just know that to have this mindset, this call to humility, is a lot more than just not bragging about yourself. When you think of humility, it's not just a call away from being braggadocious. It is a call to something. And this Christ-like call is one that uh, doesn't come naturally. We're just not wired up this way. And yet, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, the very power of God and the truth of God's Word, I see it all the time. I see people all the time that are willing to be emptied rather than be filled. And I'll be honest, sometimes when I see people like that, my first inclination is, man, they're just really good people. And I need to correct myself. I need to say, no, they're just really godly people. When I see somebody who's willing to serve rather than just be served, I need to be very careful that I don't just think that, man, there's a really good person. There's a really godly person. It's modeling what it means to have a servant's attitude like Christ. Especially that last one. I see somebody who's very willing to be obedient rather than just be obeyed. There is the the person of Christ working in their life. Does that make sense? So easy to say, got to be humble. Not going to brag, not going to do this, not going to do this. A a lot more difficult, maybe, to say, okay, I'm not just going to abstain from the wrong, but how do I take on the very mind or attitude in verse 5 of Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I, I pray that, uh, that you communicate it well today, Father. I don't feel like I did, but Father, I pray that your very spirit would communicate the truth of your word well this morning. That, Father, that we could be able to do more than just get some concepts here, but Father, that we could see that there's a call upon our lives as followers of you that you've called us, Father into a life that just thinks differently. Father, that when we're not given credit and, and maybe we were the one that did everything and somebody else gets the credit and that natural impulse comes to, to, to kind of feel hard toward that and, and difficult because we didn't get the attention. Father, give us the mind of Christ. Father, in our marriages, when we say, well, you didn't do what I said to do or you didn't serve me. Father, give us the mind of Christ that that we would want to be obedient to our spouse, that we would want to serve our spouse. And Father, as we go out into a lost world, that, that, Father, they have that same nature that we do. That, Father, that we would model not just a moral attitude, Father, of of being less braggadocious, but Father, that we would model the very heart of Christ. More of you, less of me. Father, help us to truly live this out. And thank you for your word, Father, that begins to color in what it means to truly have the mind of Christ. We love you and we thank you. And we give our lives to you as best as we can this morning, Father. As we pray this in the name of the one who is both the 
the, the purpose behind this attitude and the one who's given us the privilege to have it in him. Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.